Industry-leading, difference-making, tomorrow-shaping, world-changing. These are a few of the adjectives people use to describe the technologies and companies Deloitte works with day in and day out. Join us, and soon those very same adjectives could describe your career too. Explore technology careers at Deloitte.com slash techcareers and make an impact on business, technology, and society while engineering your future. At Deloitte. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen, and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary, caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser, Fumangali, from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one, Lindsey is in, Janovich the fullback, Janovich, hit, nice big hit there by Kendrick, he continues to dig, he's not, they call a touchdown! They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, Noah Fant. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Fant takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. Ends on court. Touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exercise the demons of another doomed season. I have exercised the demons. This house is clear. Okay, and we are live. Welcome in, everybody to the Huddle Up Podcast, presented as always by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, I don't know if you caught this. It took me a few days to pick up on this. I didn't realize it. The Denver Broncos quietly cut safety DeMonte Thomas, who, of Mm. course, suffered that knee injury in August. They put him on injured reserve, and then he agreed to an injury settlement. They cut him almost a week ago, a week ago tomorrow. So we must bid adieu and happy trails to DeMonte Thomas, who at one point looked like he was going to be a real gem for this team. 
Yeah, I mean, in the preseason, his first preseason, he had that pick six, Chad. So we, we were two of his biggest fans, aside from his family members, and we thought he would stick around in Denver for the long haul. It went totally unbeknownst to me. I did not even know the Broncos cut him. Uh, it was well under the radar. It was one of the first moves they made this offseason. So obviously he wasn't in their future plans, but I thought he had some game. I thought he was good in coverage. He made plays. I liked him more in pass coverage than Will Parks, than Trey Marshall, but that's where the cookie crumbles in this business, Chad. It's it's tough. It's doggy dog it is indeed i think back to you know his 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 the biggest play he ever made probably was the interception where he picked off baker makefield in the uh in the regular season but i think back to that dress rehearsal game from 2018 in the preseason the third game against washington redskins in which he was a machine dude he had over five i think he had five tackles he shut down vernon davis there was a couple of targeted shots to davis third down stops yeah third big third down stop i wrote about that in fact today so it's unfortunate and i he was one of the guys i tapped when they signed or hired i should say vic fangio he was one of the guys i initially tapped as being like look here's a low-key guy that could really hit his stride under fangio because it's such a safety friendly scheme that he brings to the table but anyway you, you saw what happened with trey marshall down the stretch that probably would have been DeMonte Thomas had he not suffered that knee injury. Right. The only implication I have, Zach, is that he must that that knee must still be a problem for him. And that, you know, they're going to re-sign Justin Simmons or tag him. They have Kareem Jackson. They might bring back Will Parks. So the Broncos are fine at safety, Chad. So it's a good problem to have is having too many players and you have to cut one. Unfortunately, the, the player they cut was a player that we liked, but obviously Fangio and company didn't feel the same about him. So I hope he latches on elsewhere and hope, I wish him success in his career. Aaron jumps in early before we even went live wow, with the $2 Super Chat. We really appreciate you, brother. Yes. That means a lot. We have a lot to get to today. Of course, it is the Mile High Mailbag. We are your football priests. Each and every week, we are here to offer you the absolution and the answers to your burning Broncos questions. We're going to get to those here in just a second. First, I want to welcome in everybody who's been hanging out in the room. Stu, Robert, Flippant Booch, Anthony, Christy's hanging out, even though she's under the weather, it looks like, from the comments. Mm-hmm. So. Mark, everybody, thanks, Anthony, for joining us. We are going to dive into a couple of quick topics that Zach and I wanted to touch on real quick, and then we're going to get to your questions. First, just a couple of quick matters of business, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Simply the best way for you to keep a finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget, head on over to Apple Podcasts. If you like what Zach and I are doing, leave us a creative review and a a five-star rating if you like what we're doing. It's a great organic way to help support the show. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. For anyone who's been down that road, living with chronic pain is the worst. It's more than a feeling of discomfort. It can affect your whole life. Many of our listeners probably have some type of pain that has prevented them from relaxing and sleeping or has stopped them from exercising. Perhaps it's been ongoing for a few weeks now and hasn't improved with any of the treatments they've tried. Enter Omax Health. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, CryoFreeze CBD Roll-On, developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription, triple-action pain relief roll-on is especially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is, this is 100% natural, a CBD-powered remedy, and it works its magic within 10 minutes of application, and the relief lasts up to 8 hours, which is much longer than the -the over-the-counter alternatives. Omax Health is offering our listeners 20% off a full bottle of CryoFreeze CBD Pain Relief Roll-On, plus free shipping. This discount also applies toward any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter code OVERTIME. That's O-M-A-X, health.com, and enter code OVERTIME to get 20% off cryo-freeze and site-wide. All right, Zach, the other things I wanted to touch on here, we'll get to the questions, we'll get to the other super chats, bear with us just a sec, guys, is the fact that also, not so quietly, but Cortland Sutton, is going to the Pro Bowl. He was named an alternate, of course, which was super disappointing. It wasn't a shoe-in for the Pro Bowl. However, with DeAndre Hopkins backing out with an injury, now you got Sutton making it to the Pro Bowl, which is a great way to punctuate such a such a phenomenal season for him. He should have made it on his own, Chad, but this is the first of many Pro Bowl nods for Cortland Sutton. Next year in 2020 with Drew Locke throwing him the ball, he will make it on his own volition, but he's just an incredible talent, and he's only going to ascend from here. He deserved to be in that game, and it's recognition for the ascension that he's had the last couple years, going from the wide receiver three to a bona fide household name wide receiver one. I love watching him play. It's been a privilege watching him develop in this offense, and this is, like I said, the first of many honors for Cortland Sutton. So now the Broncos, at least for now anyway, they'll have two representatives at the Pro Bowl when you count also Von Miller. And then there's the opportunity, possibly we'll see how it shakes out, for two other Broncos to get in because Kareem Jackson was also named as an alternate, as was Deontay Spencer as a returner. So we'll see how that shakes out. One other thing I wanted to touch on, Zach, I don't know if you caught this, but Jeff Legwald, of course, of ESPN, had an interesting article about John Elway and how he's kind of – turned over a new leaf. And I want to read this to you real quick. Here's the quote from Legwald's piece. Quote, there are many in the league as well as others who have known Elway throughout his career who say that the losing has pushed Elway in recent weeks to solicit opinions from those he respects. It's a departure from what Elway said regarding his approach to team building when he took the job in 2011. Quote, I know what I don't know. Close quote. So Zach, (laughs) That we question the timing of the Denver Broncos 
firing Rich Scangarello when they did. I mean, we didn't see it coming just because they'd kind of passed that window of time where traditionally NFL teams, you know, make a, a, any kind of coaching changes. They went way beyond that by almost two weeks before they fired Scangarello. You have to wonder how much of what happened. I know this, you know, it's been billed as a Fangio decision to fire Scangarello and go after Pat Shermer, but you have to wonder how much of this is Elway turning over that new leaf, mighty change of heart, picking up the phone, calling people he respects and trying to get their opinion on, you know, the best way to attack 2020. Well, Elway does have final say, and it had to go through him. He had to authorize the move, even if it was Fangio's decision. But I want to know who he's plugging into, Chad. What are the people he respects? Who is he talking to? Is it Gary Kubiak in Minnesota, Mike Shanahan? Those are all good uh, sounding boards for him, but it's – it's another confirmation to me that he's growing as a general manager. He would not have admitted this chat two off seasons ago. He is really looking himself in the mirror and owning his mistakes the last couple of years. And he's admitting that he's grown as a general manager. And for the overall arc of the franchise, considering the drafts they've had the last couple of years, it's so encouraging that Elway's putting his pride aside and his ego aside and doing what's in the best interest of the team. It's going to make them better starting this season. It's, you know, post Super Bowl 50, Elway's had to figure out a different way to approach team building, you know, cause he could get away with missing on free agent signings. He could get away with missing on draft picks when you had Peyton Manny to cover roster holes and imperfections, but he's kind of had to unlearn what he learned over that four year period with Peyton in the post Super Bowl 50 era. These drafts have become even more meaningful. And the good news is we're seeing signs that he indeed learned le- his lessons from the pitfalls he had to go through. And th- especially those first couple of years after the Super Bowl, these last two draft classes that he stacked two on top of each other now, phenomenal. They they made a huge impact, especially in 2019. And I think it's safe to say Elway talked about how it was nice to finally finish, even though it was a losing season, to finish a season on a strong note. That strong note wouldn't have happened without the young core. So there's, there's good signs and, and good reason to believe that that new leaf he's turning over, it's all going to come out in the wash in a good way for this team. The next point of action here for the Broncos, Zach, is hiring a quarterback's coach, filling that position that was vacated when they fired T.C. McCartney two days ago. Benjamin Albright, friend of the show, reported earlier this week, though, I think actually early Wednesday. I might be getting the timing wrong on that, though, that uh, it's probably going to be Mike Shula. Your thoughts? Um, he, he was in New York, New York with him. So it's not surprising. He wants to bring in his own guys, Chad. But like we talked about yesterday, Shermer has such a quarterback heavy background. He's known as a whisperer of quarterbacks. So he's going to handle, I think the majority of that development with Drew Locke, but it's always good to have another voice in the room. It's always good to have another voice that you can depend on. You can lean on, you can trust and not have to work with a stranger. If Shermer was saddled with McCartney, that wouldn't be a good combo. That wouldn't be a good marriage. But he's bringing in his own guy. They have familiarity. They're being on the same page. And for Locke, it's two guys in the same room now who have bona fide experience grooming quarterbacks. So for Locke, I'm excited about this if it works out the way it's intended to. The one cool thing, and then I'll grab what Mark says here in his super chat. One thing that I really like about Mike Shula, <clears throat> not only his pedigree being the son of Hall of Famer Don Shula, that's all cool and all. However, what I like is his actual track record as a quarterback's coach slash offensive coordinator. You go back to that Super Bowl 50 year for the Denver Broncos where they took on the Panthers in the Super Bowl. Cam Newton was the reigning MVP. If I recall off the top of my, of my head, he had 50 total touchdowns passing and rushing. It was Shula who was the brainchild behind that. He got the best possible version of the dynamic Cam Newton. It's kind of been all downhill since then, but he got that out of Cam Newton in New York. He and Shermer, of course, together, Shermer being the head coach, him being the 
OC slash quarterbacks coach, getting a lot out of Daniel Jones as a rookie. So I'm, I'm really curious to see. I can only imagine that, or expect is probably the better way to say it, that it would be a good influence, a good impact on Drew Locke. Yeah. Now, great uh, friend of the show and one of our Super Chat superstars, Mark Langley, jumps in with a $5 donation. He Thank says, you, what's up, guys? Just wanted to share something with you. Adam Rank told David Carr that you're so good looking. I'm kind of glad your football career oh, sucked. Oh, he said that to David Carr. Yeah. Well, he is, dude. David Carr, he's a he's a handsome SOB. You got to give it to him, Zach. <laughs> That's a random kind of uh, segue to another topic here about Derek Carr. Der, uh, D- David Carr, excuse me. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess uh, Adam Rank will always be known, though, as that 2-14 and 14, uh, pick for the Broncos. So I don't put anything he says, looks or otherwise, into uh, any sort of account. One of our true superstars on Super Chat, Stu McPeak, jumps in. $20 donation. One of the first in the room as well. Let's get this party started. We love you, Stu. Thanks so much. Anthony, hey, we appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you checking us out. And also, let's we got to say thank you. We decided to also start streaming this podcast when we go live. We've been doing it on YouTube and Facebook, Simulcast. We're now including our Twitter audience through Periscope. So hello to each and every one of you that might be watching the show on Periscope right now. Let's see what else we got here. Bear with me, man. So many comments today and questions. Let's grab this one from Adon. Do you believe Shermer came to Denver, Zach, <clears throat> because he couldn't get Locke to New York last year? The, the <clears throat> implication being that Gettleman chose Jones instead of Locke. I'm sure that was a nice perk for him, Chad. I'm sure that was a big uh, determining factor of, over him taking the job over the Brown job, the Bears job, whatever vacancies are available to him. But I think you know money talks and having an employment in the NFL talks, and I think coming to an organization like the Broncos to get them back on the right track, to be in a smaller media market than New York, I just think all the the signs and everything worked out perfectly for Shermer. I know Locke was the draw, but I think um, just having a chance to rebuild this offense on Shermer's talent level and what he can bring to the table. I think that's what drew him to Denver. Let's see. Oh, we got one here from Periscope. Speaking of, do you think the Broncos <clears throat> should grab two receivers in the draft to help Cortland Sutton? Zach, it's a pretty safe bet to assume they're going to grab at least one. I talked about, I think it was yesterday that I'm of the opinion with how deep this wide receiver class is. Broncos might be wise to wait even till day two, uh, perhaps to grab a wide receiver and, and use that first round pick on a tackle or a corner, or, you know, just whatever be- is on the big board, the best player available, but your answer for six fifty underscore seven, six, six, three, will the Broncos grab two receivers in this class? I think it was a possibility before Shermer, and I think with Shermer now, it's almost an inevitability, Chad. Considering what he brought in New York with all the receivers they signed, Latimer, Benny Fowler, Golden Tate last year, he loves having three wide receiver sets. He loves having four or five wide receiver sets. And the Broncos do not have on their roster right now a wide receiver two, a pure speed demon, a pure lid lifter. They're going to draft at least one, Chad, but do not be surprised at all if they take two within the first three or four rounds. Jose jumps in a $5 donation on Super Chat you, on YouTube. He says, I just found y'all and love the content. Uh, since I funny get much, I'm not sure, a little typo there and something about Texas. But if Isaiah Simmons fell to 15, is he a no-brainer, even if all the top three wide receivers are there? For me, Jose, it'd be if you had C.D. Lamb there at 15, you know, talking about the top three receivers, now it's a conversation. But outside of him, I would take Isaiah Simmons, this is just me, over Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. Yes, my answer is yes. If he's he's at 15, he's just this close to being a no-brainer 
it would just depend on Tristan Wirfs, C.D. Lamb, and Okada, which you'd probably have to assume neither of those three would be there either. Yeah, it would be tough for me to pass on Simmons, but I, I want a wide receiver so bad. I don't think you can take him, you know, rugs over him. I think, like you said, Lamb, you could, Judy's a definite uh, point of uh, argument there. But Simmons is such a talent, I think Fangio would leap across the table and, and personally run that podium, that card to the podium himself. So that's where I think they'd go. Our friend Miller707 Champ says, if you had the pick of every player in the first round besides Joe Burrow uh, and Young from Ohio State, Chase Young, who would you take? Zach, for me, again, I intimated this just a minute ago, but for me, and, you know, our opinions on this will continue to evolve the closer we get to the draft, the more time we spend on the pre-draft trail, if you will. But for me right now, it comes down to Tristan Wirfs, Isaiah, and C.D. Lamb, and Okadit. Now, the likelihood of any of those guys even being there is is pretty slim, but those are those are my four wish list guys. I'm right there with you. I think they have to target offense, and on offense, it's tackle or wide receiver. And on defense, you need a linebacker, a corner, or a dimebacker, you know, safety cornerback. So those are all options for Denver. I right now would lean toward a wide receiver, but we'll have to see what happens based on the way the board plays out in April. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Terry jumps in with a $20 donation on Thank Super you, Chat. Thanks a ton, Terry. That means a lot to us, brother. Um, let's see what else we've got here. So many questions and comments. Machiavelli, love the show from Seattle. Bronco fans since 87. Locke is our guy. Super excited about the future. We are too, my brother. We are too. It feels like everything's moving in the right direction here. Anthony jumps in. I think Elway's faith in Vic Fangio is helping as well. He's giving up the reins a little yep. bit. We think that that was the impetus behind the Scangarello fire and the move to Pat Shermer kind of giving Fangio his rope and the implication there being, Zach, that Elway trusts him to make that kind of a decision. I think it was the impetus behind the Fangio hire itself, Chad, because you can tell that Elway did not respect Vance Joseph at all as a man or as a coach, I believe. And I think he had a more mutual respect with Fangio, closer to his age as an accomplished guy. So I think this year, going into year two, he's giving him more power to pick his own coaching staff, not being saddled with assistance that he didn't want on his staff. That's all Elway's admission that he wants to back off and maybe put the team in another person's hands. He's still the parent, but he can hire a babysitter, and he hired one in Vic Fangio. Benjamin he says, off topic from Facebook here, off topic, but realistically, what are the chances the Titans whoop on the Chiefs? Zach, how do you see that game unfolding at Arrowhead this weekend? Whoop the Chiefs, I don't see it happening. It could be a close game if their defense steps up, but I think Mahomes is much too powerful for the Titans. I, I you know, Lamar Jackson beating him was was an accomplishment. Beating Brady was an accomplishment. But the way Mahomes is playing and at Arrowhead, it's going to be tough for the Titans to win that game, even though they're playing really good this year. I have Kansas City advancing to the title game, Super Bowl 54. I mean, the Titans did beat the Chiefs early in the season with uh, Tannehill. There is a model there in Arrowhead a year removed from the Chiefs being so close to getting over the hump and winning the trophy that uh, their former owner is, I mean, it's named after Lamar Hunt. They were this close. I think, I don't see anything stopping the Chiefs from getting over the hump this year. And I think the only chance anyone has to keep the Chiefs from winning at all is if the San Francisco 49ers advance to the Super Bowl. Then I'll believe that there's a chance. Now, Frankie jumps in. On Facebook, he says, hey, guys, Huddle Up Podcast seems to have really grown. I'm loving these live feeds. Keep up the good work. Been watching, listening since the beginning. He's an OG. Been with yep. us throughout. Appreciate you, Frankie. 
and to all of our new listeners, it has grown exponentially. I mean, especially once since we started doing the the live pods on YouTube and Facebook, and now we're trying to integrate Twitter as well. But yeah, it's grown by leaps and bounds. Talking many thousands of new listeners and live viewers that have have discovered the show since we kind of changed the way we approached the programming here. Let's see what TG has to say here. He says, I followed Vic Fangio for a while. The dude is a really shady dude and throws shade at players a lot. Now, Zach, we don't necessarily need to go too far down this rabbit hole, but this is something you've actually, it's kind of stuck in your craw a little bit since the beginning, how much, for example, he kind of stayed on Von Miller's jock throughout the season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from his opening press conference, Chad, he called him out and said he could be better. And throughout the offseason and throughout the regular season, he kind of took little veiled shots at Von Miller. I don't really think he's a shady guy or intentionally wants to irk players. I just think that's his personality. He's very old school. He shoots from the hip. He doesn't have a real interlocutor on his mouth. He says what he feels and feels what he says, and uh, he owns up to it. And I kind of respect that as an old, grizzled ball coach. I think for the most part, the players appreciate it, too because no one's blowing smoke up their skirt right. and they know where they stand with their head coach. Aaron jumps back in $10 donation Thank on you, super chat through YouTube. Appreciate you, Aaron. So surprised it's not talked about that Vaughn put on 35 pounds last. I'm assuming you mean off season considering his setback year. Father time might not be letting him carry that size anymore. You think he cuts this postseason? Maybe he did. So Zach, that's right. He did put on a little poundage to, I think try and fit more of the mold that he thought Vic Fangio was looking for. You know, you look at Khalil Mack, for example, he's a thicker, bigger outside edge guy than Von Miller's more on the smaller side for as prolific as he's been as a sack artist. He's bet he's, he can put power in. He's underrated there, but he's been more of a speed guy slightly, not by leaps and bounds, but slightly undersized typically plays in the high two thirties, low two forties range. That could explain, or at least partly explain, his down year in 2019. You know, I don't really put too much stock into the weight of, in terms of Von Miller's down year. Everyone has a bad season, and that was a bad season for Von Miller, which just shows shows you how good he really is if eight sacks is a down season for him. Uh, the injury hurt him. I just think Vic Fangio's scheme hurt him. But what we saw in that finale, chat, he was very quick around the edge. He was getting under tackles. He was the old Von Miller in that Week 17 game. So the weight really doesn't carry that much Wait to me, pun intended. I'm pulling this up to answer Frankie's question here. Who do you guys think may be attracted to Denver from the Giants offense in the free agency period? It'd be nice to get someone who's familiar with Shermer and Shula to help the transition into the new system. And while... Not Eli. Uh, me, Anyone but Eli. I'm, I'm looking at it here. Of course, Eli. And that's something that's already been discussed or at least bandied mm-hmm. about. Uh, some of our, our friends don't. in Denver radio have talked about the idea of bringing in Eli to serve as the, you know, the backup. Nope. But I'm not really – well, I mean, you got Mike Remmers. Von Miller posterized him uh, in Super Bowl 50. He was a right tackle. Says here he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, according to Spot Track. Our old friend Cody Latimer. <laughs> uh, let's see, wide receiver Russell Shepard. I'm looking here for uh, – let's see, Javorius Allen. Scott Simonson. It's not a great. There are group. a few players here, but no one that's really jumping out to me, Zach. 
Yeah, I don't think they're going to sign anyone just to sign him because he has familiarity with Pat Shermer. If there's anyone on that list, Chad, it would be Eli Manning as a quote-unquote mentor. But it's been there and done that with Joe Flacco. Locke doesn't need a mentor. He wants to take the reins and own the position. I think he did, and his 4-1 and record speaks for himself. I don't want any veterans looking over his shoulder. I don't want any storylines, controversy. No Eli, no Flacco. Let Locke be Locke and let him go undisturbed. Cameron says, what are the chances of the offense really turning around and scoring and how scoring how we know and feel they can, i.e. 20-plus points a game? Well, the Drew Locke-led Broncos, Zach, for whatever it's worth, they did um, average more than 20 points over those five games. So I think, if you think back, let's see, 23, right, plus 38, then three against the Chiefs. I'm trying to remember what the final score was in that Detroit Lions, 27, I think. And then 16, 15 against the so yeah, they were over they were over 20 points per game. That number could climb if Drew Locke and Shermer, and we'll see if it ends up in DB and Shula, have a mind meld. But you gotta expect, Zach, that Locke's gonna take some kind of a step forward in oh, year yeah. two. We think it could be a quantum leap forward, but if that's the case, even if it's a, an improvement by one point per game, it's gonna increase the the you know, that could add as many as one or two additional wins to the to the total by that virtue alone. I'll take it a step further. I think Locke and company, if he stays healthy, will average 24, 25 points a game, Chad. You're talking about three touchdowns and a field goal. That's definitely doable with the talent on this offense. You have Sutton, you have Lindsay, you have Fan and Locke. If they can add a Ruggs or a Lamb to this te- this offense, it's going to be explosive with these big plays. And if Shermer is the total package the Broncos think they're getting, I would expect, not hope for, 21, 22, 23 points per game. This offense has a chance to be top 10, top 12 if all the stars align. Josh jumps in with a $5 donation on Super Chat there on YouTube. Appreciate you, bro. Do you think we signed Shermer because he was good with Daniel Jones? Josh, that had a lot to do with why the Denver Broncos liked Pat Shermer. It also had to do with the fact that he's uh, a coach as an opponent that Vic Fangio has respected going back many, many years. But just really, it's not just Daniel Jones, Zach, but his right. what Shermer's been able to do. I mean, again, we've talked about this on the pod, but that two-year, $36 million contract the Broncos gave Case Keenum in 2018, Mr. I-know-what-it-means-to-be-a-franchise-quarterback-Keenum, <laughs> you can thank Pat Shermer for that, for better or for worse, because it was in his offense under his wing that Case Keenum looked like it ended up being fool's gold, but in Minnesota he looked like he could be a possible, you know, diamond in the rough franchise he could be that exception to the rule that is there's no such thing as a free agent franchise quarterback so long story short though it does very much Zach have to do with Shermer's innate knack for being a quarterback whisperer and I also really like the fact that he's a former Andy Reid disciple grows off that tree I'm going to go against the grain here, Chad, so no surprise there. I wasn't totally uh, impressed by Daniel Jones in his rookie season. He had some flashes, but he looked very much like a raw rookie. And I think Locke, watching him closely, he was much more advanced than Daniel Jones last year. Two different draft pedigrees as well. I don't believe, I'm sure it helped, but I don't believe Shermer was hired solely because of his work with Daniel Jones. Like you mentioned, going back to Nick Foles, going back to his days with the Eagles, coming off the Andy Reid tree, he's had experience wherever he's gone coaching up quarterbacks. And I think the Broncos looked at that entire big picture and they're entrusting their young quarterback in the hands of a guy who's done it in every single stop where he's been and i'm telling you too one big difference between daniel jones and drew Locke from a leadership slash locker room perspective i've talked to daniel jones face to face 
that dude is awkward socially. I can only imagine him in a, in a <laughs> NFL locker room. Drew Locke's not that guy. I mean, he's a guy that commands the room. He's got the it factor. Guys follow him. He can fit in with everybody. The rap skills. He's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that helps a little bit, right? So, but I mean, yeah, Daniel Jones, here's the difference. If you look at it statistically, what Daniel Jones was able to achieve in 12 starts, he appeared in 13 games, 12 starts. I mean, he was well over 3,000 yards passing, 24 touchdowns. He had three games with four or more touchdowns in an individual game. One of them was a five-touchdown game. Compared to, of course, Drew Locke had that historic road, his first road start against the Houston Texans. That was a huge game for him. The difference in statistical production, okay, and you can't judge everything based off stats, but the difference is coaching. Pat Shermer, if he could get that out of Daniel Jones, imagine what he can do, Zach, with a Drew Locke. Now, Justin jumps in. He says, so for the middle linebacker position, I personally love Alexander Johnson, but I doubt we keep him and Todd Davis. So what do you think? Do you guys think would be the best way to approach the middle linebacker position? Zach, Todd Davis, the Broncos could cut him see ya. and save $5 million on the cap. Do you see that happening? And even if you don't see that happening, how do you see the Broncos approaching linebacker? Josie Jewell had to take a backseat to the emergence of AJ last, last year. How do you see it unfolding? Do they add someone in the draft? Do they cut Davis? Do they do something in free agency? I think uh, the Broncos resign themselves to the fact that Josie Jewell is not a starter, a full-time starter. He's a great backup to have, a good uh, player to have on the defense. I think they are going to cut Todd Davis, though, save that money. He's a great two-down linebacker, great thumper, but they want more versatility in the middle. They want a three-down guy who can run sideline to sideline. Even if they don't, though, I believe they will draft a linebacker, not super high an inside linebacker, not the first or second round, but the third, fourth, fifth round, the middle rounds, they will get some depth there with or without Todd Davis in the picture. But A.J., Alexander Johnson, Johnson, he's going nowhere. He is the future of this franchise at ILB for a long time. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Got to remember, too, Smoke Dog Al Wilson himself said that he has, Johnson, all pro potential. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see. He he emerged. I think he played at a Pro Bowl level this year, but he didn't enter the equation until week five. And they say a lot of times that they, you know, for as far as accolades and stuff like that, usually comes for players the year after they initially emerge, which bodes well for guys like AJ, Justin Simmons, Cortland Sutton, even though he's ending up in the Pro Bowl, et cetera. Now, Mark jumps back in. $5 donation. Thank we you. love you, Mark. He says, I think this draft will be great. Your thoughts? And that comment I posted was Brandon Perna's podcast. Okay. Thank you for all that you do. Hashtag my guys. And that's true. By the way, thanks again, Mark. We, we appreciate you, bro. Um, Brandon had Adam Rank, he and Will Keys on their podcast. I think it was last week. You know, in the offseason, all the, all the days run together. But uh, So that was some appointment viewing. If you guys haven't checked that out, check it out. And by the way, 650, It's uh, you got to be checking out the stream on YouTube if you want to contribute on Super Chat. Appreciate you, brother. Let's see what else we got here, Zach. Man, this this is a hot and heavy. Here we got from Luke. I've never been live. Thank you for doing these podcasts. I probably would have quit my job if it wasn't for you guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, thanks, Luke. Don't quit your job, dude. Got to pay those bills, my brother. Let's see what Larry has to say here. Why hasn't a team ever signed Jordan Palmer to be a quarterback coach? You know, Larry, it's interesting. And for those who don't know what Larry's alluding to, Jordan Palmer was Drew Locke's pre-draft individual quarterbacks coach. In fact, our Nick Kendall had a great conversation, an interview with Jordan Palmer. There's an article that was on our former platform when we were on 24-7 Sports that our VIP subscribers got to read back then. Uh, we're going to be using pieces of that conversation that Jordan Palmer had with Nick Kendall about Julak with some new content coming out soon. But I digress. The point being, Jordan Palmer, he's worked with college players as they acclimate to the pros, Zach. But he, it seems like he's instead kind of chose professionally to gravitate toward media. That's just the way it is for him. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, nepotism and name recognition can't get you a coaching job. I mean, Cooper Manning never was a coach in the NFL, even though his brothers were Hall of Fame quarterbacks. It's just the way that it works out. I think, like you said, he wants to be in the media and he wants to do more private instruction one-on-one and sort of have his own little business, get his own little brand going. So that's, I guess, the only way to explain it. Christy is under the weather. She's not Thank feeling you, good, and yet she jumps in with a $10 donation on Super Chat. We appreciate you, Christy. Larry's got another good question that I think is on everybody's minds, or it should be. Any word on Bradley Chubb and his recovery from that ACL? We had an article on this at milehighhuddle.com, I don't know, I want to say 10 days ago, maybe sometime last week. But long story short, he didn't want to put any dates on it. But he kind of reading between the lines, Bradley Chubb, when he was cleaning out his locker on, uh, you know, Black Monday, when he was cleaning out his locker the, the day after the Broncos season finale, he basically intimated that the plan is be ready to go week one of the regular season. And I don't see any reason why you should doubt that that'll happen, especially with the way, you know, modern sports medicine is. Zach, they'll probably slow roll it through training camp, slow roll it through preseason, and even that first quarter of the season, keep him on a snap count. Uh, barring a setback, Chad, unless he just uh, hurts his knee again, he will be all systems go, I think, for week one. Even on a pitch count, he'll be available to play. He'll be 100% healthy. There's no worry with Bradley Chubb right now, barring any sort of setback. Jason, our friend, one of our superstars on Super Chat, jumps in. $20 Thank donation. You, appreciate you, Jason. He says, I can't let Stu be the only big <laughs> baller. We appreciate you both. Glad to see Elway micromanaging less from what it seems yeah. to appear. 
J-Bone, that means a lot, buddy. We appreciate you. And it's true that, you know, Elway has to give up some of the control of the reins, give control of the direction of this team. If he wants to, it's, it's the old saying, I think, made famous by Henry Ford. If you continue to do what you've always done, Zach, you're going to continue to get what you've always got. And the whole idea of Super Bowl post uh, post Super Bowl fifty Elway machinations maneuverings, he really micromanaged Vance Joseph, and I think part of that was because he expected more and didn't realize how overwhelmed Vance Joseph was as once he got to the building, and so he kind of felt like he had to be more hands on. And I think he's realizing over this last year, Zach, that he can kind of pump the brakes, take his 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 you know hand off the wheel, and let Vic Fangio do what he does. I mean, what's that cliche definition of insanity, Chad, doing the same thing, expecting different results? And uh, that's the case with, with Elway. The last, before the last couple of years, he did the same exact thing, same quarterbacking moves, personnel moves. He hired a coach that was a puppet in Vance Joseph, and he realized he can't do it all alone. He can't coach a team and run the team and pick the groceries and cook the meals. So when he finally gave that power up to somebody else that he respects, someone competent, they're starting to reap the results of that. He's uh, you know, tuning into Matt Russell in the draft, helping with the draft. He's having Mike Sullivan helping with the salary cap. I mean, he's balancing the team as best he can because he's looking for and accepting outside help. Chris jumps in on Facebook. He says, why do you think the Broncos didn't go after Jason Garrett instead of Pat Shermer? And Zach, as someone who for heavy.com also covers the NFL at large. And if you cover the NFL at large, you spend a lot of time covering the Dallas Cowboys. I know you understand that situation intimately, how it unfolded with Jason Garrett. What's your answer for Chris? Um, he doesn't really have the quarterback uh, development background as Pat Shermer, and I feel like his exit from Dallas, I mean, the guy was a definition of mediocre. He was a player's coach. He was very passive. He didn't command the respect of the locker room in Dallas. I don't think Elway wanted someone like that. He wants someone with a noted background like Pat Shermer who develops quarterbacks and uh, has a little more, I think, fire in his belly than Jason Garrett. So that's where I take out of that, why they didn't go for him. Peyton jumps in from YouTube. He says, hey, Zach and Chad, with the new offensive system that Shermer's going to bring to the team, who do you think is going to shine the most or possibly break out? Well, let's just remove obvious guys like, well, let's just remove Cortland Sutton from that equation. Do you think Noah Fant takes a step forward under Shermer? Mm. Shermer. I think he's going to get his, Chad, because he's just such a talent. He's a first-round draft pick. But I think Philip Lindsay is the biggest benefactor under a Shermer offense. He's going to be the, the main running back. There's no two-back system. There's no committee approaches. He is the guy. There's no 1A and 1B. It's just 1 and 2. So the fact that Shermer's in, in tow now, they don't really use a fullback, it's going to be a big season for Philip Lindsay. I'd be surprised he doesn't get 1,200, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. Now, this is something that the building, the Broncos guys, have talked a lot about. Eric Trickle has as well. I am inclined to agree with you on that, with the exception that Philip Lindsay really has to attack being a receiver. You know, that's yeah. just an aspect of his game that he's Absolutely. kind of allowed to languish. I think maybe part of that, Zach, is that wrist injury he suffered at the end of his rookie season. We know that affected his ability to catch balls in training camp last summer. So if he does indeed end up spending time with Christian McCaffrey, who was a thousand yard rusher and a thousand yard receiver this past season. That could help him hone that craft and in a Shermer offense where, you know, they'll run out with 11 personnel. It's a single back, single tight end, a three wide, and then spread them all out and, you know, take the running back from out of the shotgun and and line them out wide. And in order to do that, though, you need to have trust of the offensive coordinator that you can run the route and that also you can catch the ball. We know what he can do when he with the ball in his hands. It's just a matter of catching it. Oh, my goodness gracious. Machiavelli, the goat. 
Wow. Jumping in with both wow. feet on Super Chat on YouTube. Machiavelli says, best show ever. Please tell me what your gut tells you about Drew Locke's stat line in 2020. This offseason is, uh, off is going to be exciting. Wow. Machiavelli, that is phenomenal, dude. That stung you so Paul, much. Zach and I. Unbelievable. We appreciate Seriously stung. it, brother. Yes. Um, Drew Locke's stat line, 2020. Let, let me just throw some numbers out to you. In his five games as a starter down the stretch, he finished with just over 1,000 yards passing, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. That was with a first-time play caller and a first-time quarterback's coach. You replace those guys with Pat Shermer, and let's just assume that it's going to be Mike Shula for the sake of this particular question. Do you see Drew Locke? Uh, first of all, I see Drew Locke being well over the 3,000s in yards. Yeah. I see him being into the 20s. I could see him challenging the low 30s if everything goes the way you know, it, if all the, the 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 ducks fall in a row, yeah. In a best case scenario, this is of all the stars aligned. I see thirty seven to thirty nine hundred yards and twenty eight touchdowns to thirty touchdowns. That's I think a good projection for Drew Locke right now, provided he um, develops, provided Shermer calls the right plays, and provided Shermer gets that wide receiver two in this offense. If all those things happen, he could be pushing the four thousand yard mark or just under it, and uh, upwards of thirty touchdowns. Big season for Drew Locke upcoming. I agree. And I'm, you know, I don't want to get too far out over our skis here on the whole Drew Lock hype train deal, but I still won't be, and I'm not making this any kind of bold prediction, but I won't be surprised if, if he ends up having a Lamar Jackson slash Patrick Mahomes caliber second year where he really just sets the NFL on fire and emerges as one of the bona fide young stud quarterbacks in the NFL. Pranked Films, our friend, on YouTube, jumps in. Thank you. The five dollar donation on Super Chat. You're the man. He says, "Why do you think Shane Ray turned out to be a bust in the NFL and the Broncos? You think the Broncos regret not re-signing Bradley Roby? Let's tackle that first one from Pranked Films. Shane Ray. What do you think led to that, Zach? Him being a Chiefs fan, for one, getting a Chiefs tattoo, Chad, that didn't do him any favors. But uh, he just, I, I don't think he really applied himself. He had one decent year, and he kind of rested on those laurels. He didn't want to get better. Um, he had a bad attitude at times. He wanted more playing time. He wasn't really great against the run. He didn't really do anything overly well, Chad. Whereas someone like Shaq Barrett on the team, an undrafted guy, day in and day out, busted his behind to get better and to get playing time. And look at him now. He's set the single-season Bucks franchise sack record. So yep. just in terms of wanting it more, and he got, I think Ray fell back on his first-round pedigree, and he just didn't want it. So that's a name, though, I haven't heard in a while. And I think there's truth to everything you just said. The other thing to keep in mind, not to make excuses for a first-round pick like Shane Ray, but the wrist. that wrist injury, man, like it sapped him. And not only of like playtime, but it all that momentum he had built up from his good second year in 2016. Remember, he had eight sacks. Even had that three sack game against the Cincinnati Bengals where he made uh, Andrew Whitworth look silly at times. That played a big role as well. And I know it also colored his relationship with the coaching staff and the medical staff. He didn't like the way they treated him on that. So there's a few things to be said about just the football universe. It just didn't work out for Shane Ray. The harbinger, the omen, though, was choosing while he was a Bronco, Zach. <laughs> to get a Chiefs arrowhead tattooed onto his body. And I understand he grew up on the mean streets of Kansas City. I get all that. But, dude, that's just – that you were just not – football fates, they did not look kindly on that. All right, guys, we got to grab a couple more, and then we got to get out of here for tonight. So many awesome questions tonight. Damien jumping in with a $15 donation on Super Chat. One of our YouTube viewers says, where do we go in free agency? Zach, considering that free agency – 
is supposed to be the period for front offices where you fill the immediate needs and the, the immediate roster holes. We know kind of what the biggest holes are on this team. What We kind of have a, an idea of what the free agent market's going to look like as far as the class. What's your answer for Damian? I think the first order of business, Chad, is taking care of their own. Justin Simmons, maybe Chris Harris, maybe Derek Wolf, maybe Shelby Harris. They have so many free agents this year that I think a bulk of their free agent spending period will go toward re-signing their own guys. And once those roster positions are short up, they can attack those other areas in the draft. They will know what they have to do with going into the draft. I don't see any dominating offensive tackles on the market. I don't see any premier wide receivers unless they splurge on A.J. Green or Amari Cooper, and that wouldn't be a wise move. So I think they're going to take care of a lot of their in-house guys first and then go into the draft, best player available. The only thing I'll say on top of that, very well said, I can't disagree with any of that, is they have to address that cornerback need big time. And as you said, in a perfect world, you re-sign Chris Harris and you, you take a big step forward because you're expecting Callahan to be back. So now you got two spots locked down. Plus, we learned uh, just this last week that Devontae Bosby is back to 100% and has been for a while. So you got three guys that you can probably count on at least. Well, you know, if Callahan does end up being available, let's not count our chickens before they hatch. But an outside guy, whether it's a Byron Jones, whether it's a James Bradbury, the Broncos need to add probably one corner through free agency. And, you know, they're going to have some capital, some ammunition to spend here. All right, guys, let me grab a couple more from – there's Terry, and then one more, and we got to get out of here. Terry jumps in, $5 donation on Super Thank Chat. You, Appreciate you. He says, any chance we trade out of the first round for more picks? I, I doubt that, Zach, because if, indeed, the Broncos end up getting three more additional picks via the compensatory um, process, they'll end up with 12 selections, all right? You don't really and, – and five of those are in the top 100. Now, you're never going to turn down, you know uh, – a, a deal that's that makes sense if it happens, but I don't see the Broncos necessarily going into the draft, sitting at 15, looking to trade back. Yeah, they're not going to even – half of those picks that they make all 12, Chad, a few of those guys won't even make the final roster. So I don't see it happening this year unless all other guys they want are taken right in front of them and they just trade down to stockpile. But there is a really good chance one of their top targets, whether it's a, a wide receiver, offensive lineman, a, a defensive back, one of those guys will land in the Broncos' laps at 15. So I don't see a trade down happening this year. Black Knight jumps in with a $5 donation Thank on you. Super Chat. Appreciate you, brother. He says – do you see us trading for Kareem Hunt if the price is right? Is he? I thought he was a free agent. I thought he was a free agent too. I can check that. But just the the idea of Kareem Hunt coming to Denver. Love it. Got some ability playing in an Andy Reid type scheme, West Coast slash spread concepts, the same type of deal that Shermer's going to bring to this team. I love the idea of bringing in Kareem Hunt to compliment Philip Lindsay. Great pass catcher too, Chad. So you put him in the backfield with him, Royce Freeman, and Philip Lindsay. That is a dynamic three-headed approach there with Lindsay being the main guy. I mean, you could talk about his off-field problems, Kareem Hunt, but as a player, he is very, very talented. He'd be a great get for this offense. I'm feeling like I missed somebody, but if I did, I apologize, and we will shout you out on the next podcast. Uh, I I promise you. I promise you. Mark, last thing here, $2 donation. He says, glad to make you guys laugh. Have a good night. Appreciate you, Mark. Well. But guys, you, Mark. That definitely has to do it for tonight's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Thank you for making this a lively, awesome conversation. Like we say, man, you guys are as much a part of this podcast as we are as far as creating the direction and di- dictating the direction that this conversation goes on a nightly basis. We appreciate you guys. Reminder, if you like what you're hearing, share the video. 
You don't have to necessarily go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a creative review if you don't have time. One thing that's pretty easy to do, share this video if you like what you see. And then don't forget, guys, to uh, follow the show on Twitter. It's simply the best way for you to, to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening at Huddle Up Pod. And then, of course, let me get rid of this. Boom. My partner, Zach Kelberman on Twitter, at Kelberman NFL. Myself, at Chad N. Jensen. Now, stay tuned, guys. Let me lay out for you. This is the last Huddle Up podcast for this week. Let me lay out for you real quick what's coming down the pike, though. Of course, you'll wake up uh, Saturday morning, and you'll have a fresh episode of Building the Broncos. And as a little teaser, they I know they have a Giants, New York Giants media member guest to help kind of suss out what the, the Pat Shermer offense is all about. So look forward to that. Eric Trickle is going to be doing a live draft breakdown, uh, simulcasting on all three platforms, YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope, Twitter. And uh, so be ready for that Saturday, 1 p.m. Mountain, 3 p.m. Eastern. So stay tuned for that. We're looking forward to it. And then Zach and I will be back in the saddle Sunday evening, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. I'm casting on all three platforms, and we look forward to talking to you guys then. And Zach, have a great uh, end to your week and a great weekend, my brother. You as well. Everyone out there, we appreciate the input as always. And, you know, you guys always thank us. I just want to say that we should be thanking you guys. It's, it's as much as your show as it is ours. So we definitely appreciate every single comment. And a special shout out and a mile high salute to our Super Chat studs. We appreciate yes. you guys so thank much. You. But for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you guys on Sunday. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.
Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.